This podcast has been underwritten by Cape Cod Healthcare because investing in the arts creates a healthier community. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast, a series of conversations with Cape Cod creatives. This project is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television. Recorded here at the Night Owl Recording Studio at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in Yarmouth. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Today we're here with musician and painter Jordan Renzi. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you for having me. And... The musician who has very kindly let us use her music for our theme song. Yeah. So you hear oh, Jordan's that. music every week yeah. here on the Creative Exchange podcast. And though she's always enjoyed music, it wasn't until her 20s that Renzi began playing herself. Now a recipient of the 2017 Arts Foundation of Cape Cod Performing Arts Fellowship, Jordan has written, produced, and performed several original songs on Cape Cod and beyond. She's been invited to open for Kate Taylor, Paula Cole, Patty Larkin, Mark Cohn, and more, and has performed in So Far Shows in Boston and Paris. Her new album, Just a Dream, debuted in the fall of 2019, and she currently lives in Wellfleet. Thanks again for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I need to know more about this Paris trip, but first, I want to thank you for the theme music. We just love it. And also, I want to know, are you from Cape Cod? Were you born here? I was not. I was born in Brookline, but I moved here when I was three and lived in West Barnstable and Barnstable until I was 12 or so. And then I left the Cape and didn't come back until after graduating from college in 2011. Wow. What'd you study in college? I was an international development studies major. What is that? That's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it sounds that sounds far from music to me. So I'm curious about your journey starting a little bit older, which I find really inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that people sometimes think if I didn't start something when I was five, then I, I don't right. have a chance to, mm-hmm. to do it. So how did that happen from something uh, business, I would say, a business background? Is that right? International Development Studies is, in a nutshell, the study of the UN, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund, and what they kind of, the circumstances surrounding their inception, and then the history of what they have done, their activities from their inception on and how we have come to understand aid and how it's changed and evolved over time. So how do you take that interest (laughs) and then shift gears to music? I've always loved music. My dad introduced me to a lot of, a variety of different artists and bands when I was a kid. And then I started when I was in high school going to see a lot of live music and that sort of transitioned into I did a lot of the music festival thing for a long time and was really passionate about seeing live music, having no personal or like reflexive connection to it at all. Just, you know, admiration and just a love of music. And then it actually took my senior year in college, I came back from studying abroad in Kenya for a semester, which completely, you know, they say 
an experience like that will change your life. And it did. It completely turned my whole world view upside down. And I came back and I had a very difficult semester, not only for that reason, but for another reason I won't go into. And by the end of that semester, I was felt... I was I I somehow finished my thesis, graduated with honors and and I don't even remember graduation. It was a very hard time for me. I like literally blacked it out or something. I just I was sort of numb and I didn't know what to do with myself and I came, so I came down to the Cape to well I cooked to get help put myself through school at UMass and when I graduated, I was like, well, I want to do the furthest thing from anything I've been doing. My uncle owned a restaurant or was part of a restaurant down here. I and mean, he had a line cooking position open. And I just took it. Like, <laughs> I've <laughs> never lined. Up. Yeah, I just showed up. <laughs> so that was that was a good kick in the butt. For me, I've always been into very physical in terms of working. I, I prefer physical labor over mm-hmm. being stuck in an office. And the 80-hour-a-week early mornings and, you know, not sleeping. I mean, I lost a bunch of weight. I literally, like, sweat out, sweat through what I was going through. So I I had been given a, a guitar. My dad gave me a guitar for my birth, my 21st birthday that I had at school with me, but I you know, tinkered with a little bit. And when I moved to the Cape to take this job, all the staff were put into these little, like, mangy motel rooms on Route 28 in Yarmouth. We all lived, you know, side by side. And all, and I didn't know anyone. And all I had with me was some clothes and this guitar. As I kind of got settled, I started playing. And it was the only thing, aside from the rigorous work schedule that brought me any kind of comfort and I just I knew a few chords at that point and I just started playing around with zero vision or ambition or anything at all and by the end of that summer by September of that year I'd written my first song. So the idea of art healing yeah is is important in your your journey. Yeah, it was something that I sort of just picked up that brought me a lot of peace and comfort. And I never expected to write any music. I didn't sing then. I mean, I had tried a little bit, but not successfully. (laughs) Then I started going to open mics that fall as well, which kind of got the ball rolling in terms of performing Mm -hmm. uh, in public. And What was the turning point? You were 21. You... Wrote your first song. You're sweating it out at the restaurant. You're living with strangers <laughs> on 28 <laughs> in, a, in a motel. That's pretty intense. I had my entire mm-hmm. punk music collection with me at that time. <laughs> and so what was the turning point when you were like, yeah, I want to do this? That's a big switch in kind of what you were. Well, you were kind of struggling with what you were going to do. Yeah, I I had kind of turned my back on everything I'd been doing up until that point. And it wasn't really uh there was no thought of pursuing music as like a thing until much later. I I guess as I started to play open mics, which was oh my god, a complete it it was horrible. 
I I I just bombed so hard for weeks, and I went every Monday, and and my nerves were just I had never you know I'm not believe it or not I'm by nature a very shy person, and I had never done anything no theater drama like nothing yeah. I was afraid to speak in pu- public speaking. So playing and singing in front of people was like my biggest fear. So what compelled you to keep yeah. going? Back? I mean, it takes a lot of courage <laughs> to go in the first place. Yeah, I think. but you're just then, crazy. <laughs> well, well, but to feel like to, maybe you weren't doing what you wanted in that moment, but mm-hmm. then to go back every week. So what was driving you to do that? I think at the time, so I had no plans of of playing an open mic until it ha- sort of my friend pushed me into it he kind of tricked me into playing he was the bartender at O'Shea's at the time and I would go he's like you got to come to this open mic he'd heard me play just in front of him before and he's like you have to come and you don't have to play right away but eventually you you know you should totally just get up there and play and I was like yeah yeah okay so I would bring my guitar I brought my guitar for like three weeks in a row but left it in the car and like (laughs) didn't I didn't want anyone to know that I was even thinking about playing or Mm -hmm. like that I was a participant in that way and he finally put my name on the list and didn't tell me so they're like and welcome like jordan renzi yeah they're like and um can we have jordan renzi is up next and i was like like oh my god the fear and instant sweating like oh my god it was it was horrible so i ran out i grabbed my guitar i was like okay well i guess i'm like doing it and I barely made it through. Oh, it's making me nervous just talking about it. Barely made it through the song. I stopped in in the middle of the song. I swore into the microphone. I'm sweating, you been my shaking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, people were so kind, and you know, really could see how hard, like you know, painfully nervous I was. And they they um, they cheered me on and mm-hmm. helped me get through, you know, my first song. And then. I came back week after week and people were like, you just got to keep very encouraging. Like, you got to keep getting up there. And so I so I did. Did it become almost this? I'm going to overcome this, this passion or like drive to prove it to yourself, prove it to the audience that kept. Did you feel like you owed it to them to like get better every week? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did feel like I owed it to them. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. <laughs> but I also, yeah, I think I I was driven to overcome this fear. And a, one of the first turning points in that process for me, still very early on, was that I kind of it kind of dawned on me that it was super self-absorbed to like be so concerned about what people were thinking of, of me and. And my nerves didn't come only from that, but that was a big part of it. And I was just like, God, get over yourself. And so that kind of happened super early on, like maybe a couple months in. And I was like, this is so stupid. You know, I'm making this huge deal in my own head about this thing. And it's really not that big Mm -hmm. a deal. So, like, get over it. And if you don't like it, then don't do it, you know. So I kept I guess I liked it because I kept <laughs> I kept going. I was like, yeah, I can do this, sure. But still at that point, you know, there was no vision for it. It was just a thing that I was proving to myself and the audience there. Do you remember the night where you thought, I did it. This is it. This is it. I, I feel like I've completed my task for now. 
<laughs> no GG. I'm not really wired like that. My task for now. No, there's always another task. I think I, I did start to get, once I stopped being so debilitatingly nervous, I started to get a lot of really great feedback that I didn't expect. It was like to- a total surprise for me for people to say like, wow, you know, you're really good or wow, you have this like sound or I was like, who are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> and so it kind of just pushed me along and I didn't really know where I was going or what I was doing. It just kind of pushed, kept nudging me, you know, on. And when I started to write music, like that first song that I wrote, that's kind of, I think, when things sort of started to solidify a little bit. I was like, well, I'm, I'm singing and I'm playing guitar, but I wrote this song and I'm, I'm creating something, which I had never, all through elementary, middle school, high school, and college, I had never, I did a lot of writing in college because that was part of my major, but I had never taken, I'd never done any art or work or taken any photos or done any painting, drawing, nothing creative. And that was due largely to very low self-esteem for the first many years of my life, which is something I still deal with, but I've come a long way. And so to do something creative felt so incredible and it was so freeing and liberating and it was sort of the beginning of this identity, this very authentic identity that was emerging that I didn't know was there or that I didn't know what that felt like because I'd never really felt anything like it before. I just got the chills when you were talking. Mm. Um, I was thinking about Late Bloomer came to mind. Totally. You know? <laughs> I'm still getting there. Yeah, I, I can relate to that myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amy and I both, right? I think everyone's a late yeah, bloomer. Late I think. bloomer. <laughs> but I also want to say that as some as an observer and a patron of your of your work, I know how hard you work. And and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's not like it happened to you overnight. You've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into your work. And you've gone into painting, you've gone into the songwriting. And I'll never forget when Jordan applied for our fellowship program. And I, I'm not part of the jury, so I have outside people, but I listen to them as I pass them along. And we were literally, Emma and I were playing it in the office. It was like we put it on and played it because we were just like, it was really good. Thank you so much. It was really, we were blown away. So I'm blown away knowing that you started, you were a late bloomer, but there's also that hard work component to it that I want to hear more about. What's your process of really pushing through this? Because that's, it's not easy what you're doing. It's not. And I think... I'll try to be as concise as possible because it's really kind of such a complicated thing. But I guess at first, you know, it was like I got I started getting all this positive feedback. I got my first gig, which was like such an exciting and (laughs) nerve wracking night. I like didn't eat for two days before my first (laughs) my first live show. And so that early on there, when things started to kind of take shape, That, to me, set the stage for the next three or four years where I was like, okay, so I'm going to play as many gigs as I possibly can. I'm going to get better guitar and get more comfortable and learn as many songs as I can. And that was kind of like the first stage. And the further I I got into 
that kind of first stage, I started to, you know, get a little recognition here and there. And then it was like slowly, bit by bit, it was like, oh, well, maybe this is something I could it maybe I could do this, you know, maybe this is like a there's a career possibility here for me and or I hate the word career, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe this is something I could pursue as a living on a larger scale. I just started to really dream it. And that took its own that was kind of like stage two that took its own shape. And I really went for it. I went for it. As hard as I could, but I've always sort of battled or struggled with the, am I good enough? What if what if I put everything into this and nothing pans out and then I've been left with nothing to fall back on? And that's always sort of been in the back of my mind. And frankly, I think it's held me back a lot because I haven't, to be totally honest, and this is not something that I've really been all that public about, but I haven't put 100% into it. I've worked really hard Mm -hmm. and I've pushed really hard, but I haven't put 100% into that. And that's something I have to be honest with myself about. To make it, to make it as a singer songwriter, as an artist. And by make it, I just mean like, you know, you're touring, you're playing like small venues, theaters, whatever, which is quite a ways from where I am right now, even now. You have to put you have to put absolutely 150% into it you have to push 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 as hard as you can and the fact is there are lots of other there are so many people in my position who are extremely talented who are better a better guitar you know they're better musicians than I am they are really sophisticated writers they can really sing i mean you know if you're going to make it You've got to refine your craft to the parameters of your capacity. Like, you've got to give it everything you have, you know? And it doesn't mean you have to be a genius to be a, you know, a career musician or songwriter, but you do have to give it everything you've got. And I think being afraid of failure has really held me back from that. So at this point, (laughs) I just put out an album that is largely about that, sort of addressing where I am at this stage in my career, and that maybe all this time I was kind of dreaming up this vision for myself that isn't realistic, and that was, you know, just a dream. So it's just kind of, it's taken on a new... I have, a, I have a, my relationship with music and where it stands in my life is just evolving as it always has, you know, as it has since I started playing. And I'm just not totally sure where I stand with it. Well, I have to say as a listener that for me, what I respond to is not necessarily the best player or the best singer or the most clever lyrics. It's about feeling. Mm. So I don't, I don't know the music industry, but as someone who consumes music, I always like to think about, there's music that I listen to in the car that's kind of sort of disposable, 
you know, like pop music that's mm-hmm. fun or whatever. But then there's music that you actually listen to and that resonates with your like soul. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to you that listening to your music, I, I feel I feel you in it. And I think sometimes that's much more important than your skill as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That's just my, you know, my opinion. I I would rather listen to someone who is sharing themselves with with me and Mm -hmm. maybe I can find some of my identity in in what you're bringing to your music Mm -hmm. than than the perfect, crispest, Mm -hmm. cleanest track, you know. Yeah, it's about the feeling. Yeah. 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 I think that's the difference between art and commerce. I think... Many of us can relate to that mm-hmm. moment of feeling like, you know, is this really where I should be? Or you know, every day, every day, every yeah. single day, that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always questioning, am I doing the right thing? Is it, yeah. Am I in the right place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it right. takes a lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of us get there quicker than others. Mm. You know, it's like I used to call it the program. Oh, they're on the program. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm love like, that. <laughs> like I don't. I'm not on that program. But I'm not privy to that program. Yeah, they are yeah. on the pro- that program that I have not found the manual to yet. Mm-hmm. But I think living a creative life, you don't need the program, and you kind of navigate that on your own. So it will be exciting to uh, to see you do that. One of the things I wanted to hear more about is I know that you've been on tour, and I'd love to hear more about what that's like and as well as bringing up Paris. I went on a tour last, oh God, was that, it wasn't last winter, it was the winter before that. And I went, I, you know, I built a, I had help building a bed in the back of my Subaru Forester (laughs) and I... Oh, to be young. (laughs) Actually... Really, I mean, I'm very, I'm pretty low maintenance, at least in that regard. It was really comfortable. It was like three feet across, (laughs) six feet long. That's not what I I thought you were going to (laughs) say. It was like that bed, I became very attached to it, actually. I still have it. I had to take it out because I sold my Subaru. But anyway, so it was just me, you know, in my little Subaru home traveling across country. And I played, played 22 shows and I did a lot of hiking and a lot of sightseeing and I'd never driven across country before so it was all so many of what so much of what I saw was new to me for the first time which was very cool and I did it alone which my you know mom was (laughs) not thrilled about but it's nice when you get old enough where your parents are like okay I really wish you had someone going with you or at least a dog but you're old enough to make your own decisions so I love you and good luck. So I did that and it was it was cool. I had some really I had some lovely experiences, some great little shows and my first show of that tour was on my birthday in South Carolina and Charleston at this really awesome bar and it was like this little like boutique bar, super hip and food was really good and the drinks were really crafty and fun and <laughs> And they were super nice, went great. And the the bar, there was probably 60 people in the bar. It was like packed, this little place. And they sang happy birthday to me, the, oh, the wow. entire bar, twice. <laughs> so that was a, one of the best birthdays I, I think I've ever had. 
and it was a great way to start, you know, to kind of kick things off. So that was that was that. And then last winter I kind of made a last minute decision with a friend of mine to hike part of the Camino, El Camino, um, de Santiago, which is that ancient pilgrimage and well, it goes all through Portugal, Spain, and it starts in their roots in Italy and in France. And I just figured, like, I was all I was now in this network of of pop up concerts called So Far uh, So Far Sounds. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but now it is a global network of secret house concert style shows that basically they don't tell you who's playing or where it's going to be, but they have such a They've built their repu- They've built up their reputation so much so that people just they don't they they don't care about who's playing or where it is because they know it's going to be really good. So they just they just like buy a ticket and show up. The, you know they're very successful. They have no trouble selling tickets. So for example, they'll have a big, very popular touring artist play this tiny show for like 100 people and you don't know so you show up and you're like oh my god hosier is here (laughs) and you get to see this show that you paid 20 bucks for in this cool intimate venue might be a warehouse might be a yoga studio might be a cafe after hours anyway so i got accepted into this network and they're like so now that you've played you know a successful so far show you can anywhere you are in the world you can write to them and book a show and i was like oh my God, well, should I try to book one on my trip? And so I kind of just reached out to a few places and Paris said yes. And I was like, well, let's go, right? And my friend was like, are you kidding me? She's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, so I have a show there. So we were like, okay, we'll walk the Camino backwards about 140 miles and then we'll take a train from <laughs> southern France to Paris, and you'll play the show. And then we'll go home. And that's what we did. We walked, we hiked a hundred and uh, r- roughly 140 miles across uh, northern Spain, which was incredible. And I could have kept going forever. And then we crossed the border from Spain into France, which, by the way, is completely uneventful. You would never know that you are crossing an international <laughs> border. There are no signs. There are no. <laughs> there's no security. There are no people there to tell you. You just have to know that you're crossing the border, which I found very nice mm-hmm. and inspirational. So we took a train from southern France to Paris, and the day we got there in the morning and later that day, I played this show in the coolest place. It was this indoor-outdoor art gallery. It was in the 9th, and you, like, went through these huge double doors right on the street, and you couldn't tell these just big old doors. You couldn't—you had no idea what they were going to open up into. We were just like, okay, I guess we're here, like, and knocked. (laughs) And they, like, opened these doors, and we were like— walked back to this space that had like a little bar in the back and had all this cool funky art on the walls and had also this outdoor courtyard with tables and it was just out of a it was all lit up you know Mm. with Christmas lights and everyone was extremely welcoming and 
lovely and young and way cooler than me. And they they were great. They were so supportive and loved my set, even though I was super nervous. The place was completely full. There were 100 people there. And I got amazing feedback, and they were like, please, you can come back here anytime. Um, and so it was just a really wonderful experience. My friend and I were like, oh, my God, these people are so cool they're so hip <laughs> we're like we're in this like you're in paris boutique gallery in paris playing the show I was and like, they were probably like me. she's so cool oh totally <laughs> american musician coming. yes yeah i think they oh, were God. feeling the same way back i'm sure yeah. i really hope so hard to tell but anyway so that was that you seem very open to having new experiences <laughs> and you're very adventurous and so you said earlier that you, you started to dream. And, and so do you think that opening yourself up like that to the possibilities has, it must have really changed your life and your approach to what you're doing? Yeah, it definitely kind of set me off the beaten path. You know, it was like, well, now that I'm considering doing this with my life, what else what what does that look like? It's certainly not conventional. It doesn't follow any of the grooves that are set out. Not that I think a lot of young, a lot of people my age these days, no matter what they're doing, are finding that we have to carve our own niche, you know, and um, kind of take our own way because like the old paths and grooves that you could kind of just fall into are not necessarily available. And one thing I find very inspiring and very interesting is that I, I'm of a generation that is extremely, is highly entrepreneurial and does not, we don't want the, the same kind of life that our parents had. We don't want to be in a nine to five. You know, we want um, to experience sensory life. We want to be outside and work physically and we want, we want to live. We want a more diverse experience and that I find that just inspiring and like fascinating that we've sort of our ideology has changed you know you learn from what your parents you you learn from your parents what and what not to do so I guess like it kind of just got me thinking you know like the possibilities if you're going to do something unconventional like that are sort of you can you can kind of write your own story as difficult as that may be and I mean I I did I did do, like, I studied abroad a couple of times while I was in school. So it's not that it was the first kind of a foray into, like, adventure. But it certainly gave me a level of confidence that I hadn't had before to kind of write my own story. So switching gears, tell me a little bit about the music community here on the Cape. Because it sounds like when you were starting, the people at the open mic were, were encouraging to you. Do you still see those people or do you, you know, what's the community like? <laughs> Are you hanging out at O'Shea still? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, you know, this is how yeah. friendships no, develop. Yeah. I do not hang out. I love O'Shea's. <laughs> I'll have a special place in my heart forever. And yeah, at the beginning, that community was so welcoming and open and encouraging and it's a place that I spent at, at a time I worked at O'Shea's. So there was a period where I basically lived there. I did all but sleep there, which we did occasionally do. 
there's so much talent on the Cape. There's so much creativity and the community surrounding that, especially for the people who just want to get up there and sing a couple songs and talk to people about music and listen to music and connect. It's a really special place for that, the Cape in general, and the open mic scene, I would say, between that I'm familiar with between Hyannis and Wellfleet, I guess. I did that for a really long time. I got to the point where I was hosting two open mics a week for two years, which I absolutely loved. To be able to host a space where people felt safe to come in and and put themselves out there, it was an honor for me to help people along in that way, you know, as people had done for me when I started. And to make someone feel comfortable who's painfully nervous, as as I was, um, was really a gift and, you know, a nice thing for me to do. And I did that for a long time. I did kind of eventually get a little burnt out on it. And the scene in general kind of... This is another thing that I've never really publicly talked about, but we all, no matter what we're doing, have a relationship with our ego. And when you're first starting to put yourself out there, the ego is very fragile. And the more positive feedback you get, the more kind of built up your ego becomes. And mine got totally out of control for a while. Where I was like, yeah, I'm so good, you know, this is a, I'm like doing it, you know. (laughs) And thank God I have, hopefully, I'm not saying I'm a humble person, but I have moved past that particular horrible stage. (laughs) And, you know, I just feel like I have a bit of a different perspective now. So I've sort of separated myself from, from the scene. There are some really, um, I have some wonderful and wonderfully talented friends here on the Cape that are out there doing their thing and they're amazing and humble. And one of the people I think who is exceptionally talented is the most humble person, one of the most humble people I've ever met. And that is inspiring to me as an example for myself, you know, to follow and just in general. So the scene is wonderful, nurturing, inviting, It's great for people who are just getting started or really want to find some belonging. And I highly recommend going to the open mics around this area because they're really awesome. I'm always curious, how can people support? Like, what's the best way to support a local artist? So do we stream? Do we purchase? I'm assuming purchase something directly from your website. But how how do we do that? You know, is is streaming important because it's kind of building up numbers and giving you more of a presence? Yeah, um, that's a good question. It is, you know, and I think we're past the point. There's a lot of finger pointing, you know, going on like, oh, don't stream music because it's bad for the artist. And that is true in a sense, but we're kind of way beyond that. You know, it's like that is the landscape of this industry now and get on board or like, you know, don't do it. So, yeah, stream us definitely. If you have, you know, some disposable income and you want to buy a record or a CD or donate to a thing that is on our website or whatever, that really helps because it is cash that goes into our bank account. Mm -hmm. 
Thank God. Um, <laughs> but I will also, that said, you know, I have to be honest about that, but that said, coming to, coming out to see, this is just, I can only speak personally, but coming out to a show to see us play, especially when it's something where we can really showcase our original music, means so much. And it means more than buying a record or giving us any kind of monetary, you know, uh, whatever. Being present there and listening is such, it's not only such an honor to be listened to, but it's a gift. I'm an extremely lucky person to be listened to like that. So the people that do show up um, to do that and comment on if there's a song that particularly touches you by an artist that you love, you know, that's local, if you have a minute to tell them why or like what it is about that that really moves you, it goes such a long way, especially on the dark days <laughs> when you don't know if you can keep doing it in this capacity anymore. Well, I hope you continue moving forward, moving your musical career forward. I'm really excited to see. Where can we see you? Do you have any mm. dates that are out there yet or we check your website for that which we'll have always check the website i definitely will be doing we're doing like a second release party in wellfleet either in we're either doing it in wellfleet or east ham either at press hall or the first encounter coffee house okay it will be at the end of january undecided on the date yet but because we're wait still waiting for the vinyl to arrive <sighs> So just keep, you know, your eyes on the website and uh, it will eventually be announced. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. And sharing. I think it's helpful for people to hear that other people are going through similar creative struggles. Absolutely. You know, we talk about this a lot that yeah. you don't just sit down and get hit by a lightning bolt and create right. your thing. Right. You know, there there's... There is, you know, and also yeah. not not the struggling artist kind of mythology, but it is work. It's practice. It's and and I think it's really inspiring to think that you can start something, and by practice you get better. And it it, it has something to do with a little mm -hmm. bit of a natural interest or talent, mm -hmm. but it can be achieved if you're if you have the interest and take the time to right to and do it. and taking the time to pause. To mm -hmm. question, mm -hmm. you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? I think that that's, I'm really glad that you talked about that mm -hmm. because I think all of us kind of, even across sectors, you mm -hmm. need to take, create that space to really think about what you want to do next. And yeah, so zoom out that. occasionally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the humility, right, that comes mm. with being an artist and bringing out the, things that you don't like about yourself and reminding yourself, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's really uh, wise of you. Well, thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to today's guest, Jordan Renzi. For this episode of the Creative Exchange Podcast, I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Until next time, arts matter. Support for the Creative Exchange podcast is made possible by Delbrook JKS. Music for the Creative Exchange podcast is the work of Jordan Renzi. Produced in association with Billingsgate Records by Jordan Renzi and Andrew Staker at Big Red Studios in Wellfleet. 
The Creative Exchange Podcast is brought to you by the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, Provincetown Community Television, and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. In the desert, to the oasis, this time I'm not afraid, no this time. Afraid. No, this time.